Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello, craftsmen. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty great. It is another cool and crisp autumn day over this side, and it's my favorite weather. It's my favorite time of year. The leaves have changed, and in general, it's just beautiful. This is such a sensual pleasure for me. It's such a sensual pleasure for me to feel that cool wind on my skin and to look at all of the colors as they erupt on the trees. What sensual pleasure have you enjoyed today? Because it's so important to make sure to give ourselves pleasure every single day. I'm going to say it now. I'm going to say it again. You'll hear me talking more about pleasure on this podcast over the coming weeks and months. For now, take some time and think about how you can really dive in and indulge some of the pleasures of your senses. That appreciation for pleasure will serve you in in your sex and relationship life for, for the entirety of your life. Apart from the great sensual pleasure that is autumn, it has been a really interesting period of time here on the podcast. Last week, I was speaking live to the Wiltzig Erotic Art Museum all about my research on pickup artists. Like legit actual research, guys. I, <laughs> I wrote my master's thesis about economic metaphor and pickup artist handbooks. And if you're intrigued and you'd like to learn more, head on over to the Wiltzig Erotic Art Museum's Facebook page. You can catch the replay there. And let me know what you thought of it. Uh, drop a comment, send me a message, send out a carrier pigeon, whatever works best for you. And apart from that, over the coming weeks on the podcast, we have some awesome special guest interviews coming up. And the the first of these will be out next week, actually, where I'm talking to Sean Miller all about the power of sexual autonomy. And there's more, there's more coming besides. I've been in the process of meeting up with some really cool people and recording episodes to to share with you to bring this information and these guests to you for your listening pleasure and to to share their unique knowledge and experience. So if you would like to suggest somebody that you'd love to hear on the podcast, please head right on over to the Sexual Craftsmanship subreddit. It's at r slash sexual craftsmanship. Please, please, please hop in and let me know what you'd like to hear more of on this podcast. I'm extremely responsive, (laughs) by and large. So today, what I would like to share with you, it's a topic that I have been asked to present on by so many people at this point. So I understand this is something that a lot of folks struggle with, and that is body language. And today I want to share with you the basics of body language, which if you can come and 
and grasp and understand and integrate the, the two principles and the four dimensions of body language I'm going to teach you today, you'll have essentially everything you need to continue building your skills in this area. So first, let's scope out the situation here, just in brief. The first thing to know is that your body is always talking, whether you're aware of that or not. So I see this in a lot of my clients, in a lot of my friends, that they, they might be thinking one thing. So they might be thinking, oh, I really like this person, or I'm interested in this person. And their body is sending a completely different message at the same time. Body language isn't really a conscious process most of the time, right? Unless we're putting our attention there and our focus there. Even in the absence of any conscious input, our bodies are still talking. They're still sending messages all the time. And what this means is that everybody else around you is also constantly talking with their bodies too. I think part of what makes body language difficult for a lot of people is that we learn it implicitly. We learn it by being around other people. It's often very subtle. It's never more or less taught to us directly unless you're searching the internet for how to learn body language and you find resources there. I think that's a little bit challenging in a way, right? Because you don't necessarily watch one tutorial or read one list of tips and then bang, you're fluent in body language. A lot of it comes from practice, from observation, from basically being near other people and seeing how their body talks and seeing what messages you send back. And what's interesting, I've got a six-month-old at the moment, and what's absolutely fascinating about babies is that they're really good at body language because they don't have any other filters coming through. In the absence of a spoken language, my baby sends a lot of really clear messages using gestures, using movement of the body to indicate what's wanted or what's needed. So we, we've got this in part inside of us innately, and something happens on that journey from baby to adulthood, and especially in the areas of sex and relationships, where things get a little bit fuzzy, right? They can start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I also want to point out here that body language often presents additional challenges to neurodiverse people. That is something that's really worth highlighting and holding up. What I will do is share with all of you a link to a fantastic resource if you're on the autism spectrum, which it's, it's a mind-body approach to understanding some facets of autism, and it's absolutely the most valuable resource I've ever come across for helping to create greater understanding between autistic people and neurotypical people. And some of those principles apply to other forms of neurodiversity, though there's, there's other variation there as well. So I'll also drop some links to other really helpful resources for bridging some of this communication gap. Another thing I want to point out is that body language is as rich and as full of nuance as any spoken language. So if you were hoping to find the one formula that cracks the body language code, I'm sorry to disappoint. And at the same time, it's not really that disappointing because 
once you start to become comfortable with some of these body language basics, there's so much that you're able to say with your body that you might not have ever known before. And finally, why is body language so important to sex and relationships? It is important because sex happens through and with the body. If you're approaching folks as potential partners or you're on dates and you're scoping out whether you're interested in having sex with each other, even if it's not conscious, we are paying attention to each other's bodies because if we do wind up having sex with each other, that is going to happen with our bodies. So the messages that you send and the fluency that you have with body language and other forms of corporal communication, like touch communication, which I spoke about here recently, that is going to help you put your best face, body forward and, and really know that you're communicating what you wish to communicate to your potential partners rather than sending lots of confusing signals. And I'm going to encourage everyone listening here to start simple. You really need to understand these basics that I'm going to teach you today before you go down the deep, dark internet rabbit hole, grabbing all of the body language tutorials you can find and the list of tips and tricks and tactics that you'll find out there produced by pickup artists or, or others. What I'm teaching you today will also give you some of the knowledge that you need to critically evaluate any other sources of information you're going to and to know whether this is something to pay attention to or whether it's something that you should ignore because it's a bunch of bullshit. All right, so jumping right to it. There are four basic dimensions of body language and they divide along two basic principles. The first principle is that the body's first job is self-protection. Each and every one of us, you included, what your body does every day is aim to protect you. And if it has done so, then it has done its job. And that makes a lot of sense, right? That's very much the, the animalistic part of us. And a foundational drive is that drive for survival. So the first dimension of body language is open body language versus protected body language. Open body language is very much when folks have their arms out to their side, they're open, and closed body language, that's often when folks have their arms crossed in front of their body. Though when it comes to open and protected body language, usually human beings are protecting one of two parts of the body. They're either protecting their midriff or they're protecting their neck. Because these are two areas where we're vulnerable, right? If you think about it that way, from this survival perspective, doesn't that make a lot of sense? So when you have your arms out to your sides and you're not covering your midriff or your neck, that's kind of a vulnerable position, right? Typically, humans only take this stance when they are feeling safe, they're feeling like they trust the environment that they're in and the people or others that are around. And that protected body language, so with the arms in or with the hands covering the neck in a variety of ways, that is sending the message of, I don't feel entirely safe. I don't entirely trust yet my surroundings or the people that I'm with. 
one really classic bit of body language advice you're going to get when you dive down the deep, dark internet rabbit hole is that when a woman tilts her head to the side, that means that she's available. She wants you. I kind of want to bring you back to this basic principle of is the body language open or is it protected? When someone does take this position with a head tilted to the side, it is a vulnerable position. It's, it's actually exposing what the jugular vein, right? Where an attack there would mean death. It is a very open and trusting and an I'm feeling safe message. It doesn't on its own indicate sexual interest or otherwise. The message that that sends is I feel safe here. I feel trusting here. And it's interesting because this same gesture, so a head tilted to the side, but then with a hand covering the neck, that's then changing it into protected body language. The I don't entirely feel safe here. I don't entirely trust yet my surroundings. The next dimension of body language is relaxation versus tension. And so this can often be noticed in the face and also in, in the arms. You can sometimes notice when people are carrying tension in their backs, but it's going to be most visible to you through someone's facial expressions and through what they're doing with their arms. In relaxation, it's, it's sort of what it says on the tin, that the, the muscles are relaxed, that you don't see tension. You don't see somebody clenching their jaw, for example. That's a really good tension indicator. Uh, relaxation is where the jaw is loose. Oftentimes, that's where smiling comes from. And you might know this, actually, because sometimes you might see people, like maybe in a meeting. If you think about being in a meeting, and people are bored, and they don't want to be there, and maybe it's someone's turn to present, and it's somebody that you don't like, but you want to present an appropriate face in front of your colleagues. So what do you do? You smile, but you have a bit of a tense smile going on. And that's kind of your body is talking there, right? So you're trying to cloak your actual feeling, which is this tension, this, ugh, I don't like this, by sending a signal that's normally associated with relaxation. Because when we smile, it is actually quite a relaxed gesture. And sometimes it's quite an open gesture instead of a protected gesture, right? And another area to watch for this is in the arms and in the hands. So if somebody starts clenching a fist during a conversation, that is an indication of increasing tension. Relaxation and tension often have the very same roots and are sending the very same basic message as openness versus protection. When you're relaxed, you're a bit more vulnerable. Whereas when your muscles are tense, if you were to receive an impact, right, it's a, it's a protective gesture. It's preparing for potential action, bracing for impact in a way. So that's the difference there. That's the second dimension. The other basic principle of body language is that your body, everyone's body, is kind of like a compass. So the body tends to point towards what it wants and point away from what it doesn't want. Another dimension of body language that relates to this principle is the direction. So direct or indirect body language. And this most often takes place on 
the face, specifically the eyes, as well as the, the larger body as a whole. So when you're making eye contact with someone and maintaining that eye contact, that is a direct orientation, right? You're pointed right at the other person. It can also be done, for example, if you're holding your hands in front of you and bringing them to a point, pointing towards the person that you're speaking with. That's, again, indicating engagement most of the time, that, yes, I'm pointing in this direction because I'm interested. I'm interested is, is the message, by and large. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested in you sexually or I'm interested in you because I want to sell something to you. <laughs> just thinking of where some of these gestures show up or I'm interested in you physically. It could also mean I'm really interested in this conversation. It's pointing towards interest. And then this indirect orientation, this can be not making eye contact or deliberately looking far away, making it very clear that you're not pointing your eyes at somebody. That's indirect orientation. It can also be Maybe you've seen this before in conversation where you're talking to somebody and they sort of start turning to the side. So they're not pointing straight at you anymore. They're pointing a little bit off in a different direction. And in general, this indirect orientation sends a message of I'm not interested. And that could be I'm not interested in the conversation. I'm not interested in you as a sexual partner. It could mean I'm not interested in being here right now because I've got something else on my mind. You can't tell just from the direction orientation. However, the, the general message, the basic message of I'm interested versus I'm not interested is what this is communicating. And the fourth dimension of body language is in versus out. So this relates to space. There can be in, and that's where the body starts leaning in, leaning towards, moving towards the other person's personal space. And then there's the out orientation. So that's moving back, leaning backwards, taking yourself further away from the other person's personal space. It's more or less sending a very similar basic message to direct versus indirect orientation. Typically, when you lean in towards something, that's saying, I'm interested, I'm engaged. And when you're leaning back from something, you're taking a step away from something, that's saying, I'm not interested, I want to disengage. These four dimensions layer together to send different messages. So if you've got somebody who's got, say, one arm crossed across their stomach, and they're clenching their jaw, and they're not looking at you, and they're leaning backwards, that's four messages saying, I don't feel safe here. I don't entirely trust the situation or the people that I'm with at the moment, and I'm not interested. I'm not engaged. So that's an example of when you've got all four of these dimensions layering together to be sending one really clear overall message which is no, <laughs> which is I'm, I don't feel safe, I'm not interested, I'm not engaged. These can layer in a couple of different ways. So for example, if you've got somebody who's making eye contact and they're pointing their body towards you, so they're 
direction orientation is pointed towards you, it's direct. And at the same time, they're covering their neck with their hands. That can be saying, I'm interested, I'm engaged, and I don't totally feel safe yet. I don't totally trust the situation yet. And where I'd like to go next is to highlight what I think a lot of folks have in mind when they say, can you teach me body language? How do you use body language to flirt? How do you use body language to bring about some sexual tension? How do you create a sense of intrigue? And intrigue, pretty basically, but not always, is created by sending opposing messages at the same time along the same dimension of body language. So for example, a very classic example of a a sexual pose that you might see taken by a dancer or an imagery of, of, in particular, women on the internet is when the body makes this very curved S shape. So with the chest jutting forward and the butt sticking out backwards. Well, what is that? That's sending two messages, right? That's sending in and out at the same time. So it's two opposing messages, but along the very same dimension of body language. And now think about this, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And this is very powerful once you grasp it, because it will help you to send more of these messages of flirtation and intrigue and potentially to build tension on, on dates in a way that's fun and playful and flirty. So let's think about this open versus protected body language. We'd talked about how humans, they protect their midriffs and they protect their necks. What happens if you've got an example where someone is tilting their head to one side, so again, exposing the jugular vein, which we talked about before, and then they put a hand on their neck, but they don't put the hand on the side of their neck that's tilted and stretched and quite open and vulnerable, they put their hand on the other side of the neck, which is already protected, right? It's already being protected by the tilt that's being made. That's sending two opposing messages along the same dimension of body language of this openness versus protected. And already, if you take a look at some examples of this, you can feel that there's a different energy there. When you look at a picture of somebody covering the the bent side of their neck versus when you look at a picture of somebody covering the extended side of their neck, you can see there's a real difference. The energy is different. On the dimension of relaxation versus tension, this often is associated very much with sexual energy. So if you've got a case where somebody's body is quite relaxed, but say they've got tension in their arm as they pull at a partner's clothing or as they grasp a partner's arm or pull a partner toward them, there's there's often a message of sexual intent there. But it is still this phenomena of sending two opposing messages along the same dimension of body language Often, but not always, when you combine tension and relaxation at the same time, there's very much an erotic energy around that in particular. Whereas combining 
openness and protected body language at the same time, that often has a very flirtatious energy around it. Now, thinking about direct versus indirect body orientation, very classically, this is where the body is turned away from you, but the eyes are looking back towards you. And this has got a, a flirtatious energy. This has got sometimes an erotic energy, depending on what else is layered together with it. But again, it's being both directly and indirectly oriented towards someone along that same dimension. The final example, right, is this in-out dimension of body language. I gave the example at the beginning about this erotic pose very often struck by, say, female dancers or in photography of just your generic sexy lady picture where there's very often making the body in the shape of the S, right? So leaning the chest forward while pushing the butt back and therefore having an in and an out at the same time. But this can also have a more flirtatious energy too. This could be being on a date with somebody and maybe you're sitting next to each other in the cafe and you move so that your knees are touching, but you lean back with your torso. Then you're in and out at the same time. Or it could be sitting next to each other on the grass and leaning in so that your shoulders are touching, but then having your legs pointing off and moving out in a different direction. That's in and out. In each one of these examples, you're creating that sense of intrigue, flirtation, and occasionally eroticism or sexual detention by making this combination of opposing messages on the same dimension. And the reason I keep repeating this over and over is that when you're with a partner and you're observing body language, when you are getting opposing messages but along different dimensions of body language, that's often a signal to hold up, to wait a little bit, that they're catching up with you. They're waiting to decide how they're feeling today. They're waiting to decide if they're feeling trusting. They're waiting to decide if they're feeling interested or engaged. I want to make that distinction between opposing messages on the same dimension, opposing messages on opposite dimensions, because they tend to have very different feelings as well. They have very different energies about them. So the best way to integrate the basics that I've taught you today is to take some time and observe body language in the wild. The next time you go out into town, find a perch, a socially distanced perch, and observe the people around you. Observe people having conversations and see, can you spot examples of open versus protected or in versus out or direct versus indirect? or relaxation versus tension, and watch how they morph and change throughout a conversation as it's taking place. Another fun thing you can do is just go to a stock photography website and type in body language and have a look through the plethora of images that come up. And you can look through these images and ask yourself, okay, what am I seeing here uh, when it comes to openness or protection? What are they doing with their body? Are they protecting a part of their body and being open with another? Or are they just closed off in that language? Are they just protecting themselves? Or, okay, I'm looking at this picture of a couple and she's looking off in a different direction. 
that probably means she's not interested or she's disengaging from the conversation. Spend a little time observing different examples of body language and then make it conscious. Say to yourself what you're seeing. So either think it or say it out loud or take some notes. And the more you observe, the more you develop the skill of seeing the basics of body language emerging in others, the more that you'll notice yourself, what you're doing, and the better able you'll be to be conscious in terms of the messages you're communicating to others. So that brings us to the end today. As I promised, short and sweet this time. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please tell a friend about it. And be sure to like or subscribe or follow this podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode. And you know what? If, you, if you're feeling it, go ahead and drop me a review. It'll feed my ego a little bit and it'll let others know what you think of the podcast. And either way, I will catch you right back here next week. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friend zone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today. 